From training to performing, join our Big League Conversation. Welcome to the CSP Elite Baseball Development Podcast with your host, Eric Cressy. Welcome back to the CSP Elite Baseball Development Podcast. We're really excited to have Joe Panic with us today. Um, before we get to it, I want to just let you know that today's episode is brought to you by Athletic Greens. It's an all-in-one superfood supplement with 75 whole food sourced ingredients that are designed to support your body's nutrition needs across several areas, ranging from energy and immunity to gut health and hormonal support. If you jump over to athleticgreens.com backslash Cressy, you can claim a special offer of 20 free travel packets valued at $79 with your first purchase. Um, this is something that we recommend to a lot of our athletes. It's really helpful for our minor league baseball players and our college athletes and even our nutrition uh, on the teenage front with people who may not be getting enough fruits and vegetables in and the travel packets in particular make it really convenient to take quality nutrition on the road. I really view it as a nutritional and policy. Um, what's awesome is it, you know, it's carefully selected ingredients um, that give you digestive enzymes, prebiotics and probiotics and essential vitamins and minerals. Um, and there's zero compromise on the formulation. There's no chemicals, artificial colors, flavors, artificial sweeteners or added sugar. Um, it works well for people who are gluten and dairy free, you name it. So um, definitely a, a big advocate for Athletic Greens. My wife and I use it regularly. And again, if you want to jump over to athleticgreens.com backslash Cressy, it's C-R-E-S. S-S-E-Y. You can claim your special offer today and get 20 free travel packets valued at $79 with your first purchase. With that said, we're going to get right to the show. Um, today's guest is an infielder for the San Francisco Giants. He was a first-round draft pick in 2011 out of St. John's University and made his Major League debut in 2014. He was also a World Series champion uh, with the Giants that year. He was an All-Star in 2015 and won a Gold Glove in 2016. Um, and he just started up with us this past offseason at Cressy Sports Performance and is finishing up a really, really good spring training performance where he wound up hitting four. Sixty-nine. With that said, we're excited to recognize and welcome Joe Panic to the podcast. All right, Joe, welcome to the show. Thanks, Eric. Thanks for having me. This is gonna be a lot of fun. I'm excited to talk to you. So I feel like we get so like caught up training pitchers that people forget that we actually work with position players too. So <laughs> hopefully, this will be a good reflection of it. So um, obviously, I, I you know did your intro and kind of discussed your history being a Northeast guy. Um, and, you know, I think one of the questions and one of the challenges that we often face having a facility in the Northeast, it, it's pretty easy to evaluate pitchers. You know, 95 is 95, whether you're in Georgia, Texas, California, or Massachusetts. Hitters are a different story. Um, it's really, really challenging to evaluate a, a hitter from, from New York. So talk about some of those things that you, you dealt with kind of as you went through high school and, and became more and more of a, a coveted prospect in those days. Um, okay. Yeah. So for me, uh, coming out of high school, it's... Uh, you know, it was kind of tough because, you know, it's almost like this stereotype of, you know, Northeast ball players can't play ball and whatnot, and especially hitters, um, you know, because like you said, pitchers, it's a, you know, radar gun will read what it reads. Hitter-wise, we might not be as quote-unquote advanced or um, whatnot because you're not playing all year round like the boys down south or out west and whatnot. So for me, and I think, I mean, I don't know if it was one of the reasons why I went undrafted out of high school, but um, you know what? When you, you know, when you get your opportunity for the sh like in showcases, you have to make the most of it. Um, but sometimes you can kind of get overlooked again because you know scouts are looking more for 
you know, the guys down south and whatnot. Um, so for me, honestly, going throughout high school, it was all about, you know, kind of getting my mechanics down, you know, becoming the best ball player I can be. And then, you know, finally I got my shot in college to kind of um, go to St. John's, kind of get myself out there. And, you know, I played well in St. John's, Cape Cod League, that kind of ball kind of took off from there. But in high school, as a hitter, it's, um, you know, you're kind of behind the eight ball a little bit. Yeah. And I mean, to some degree, you're being modest because I, so I reached out to Matt Hyde, you, you know, Matt, Matt's like the, yeah. my favorite scout on the planet. And Matt heads up the Northeast area code team in 2007. And I, it, which was his first year <laughs> that you went. Um, so I said, Hey, did you ever have dope Joe panic on an area code roster, um, in high school? And he said he was on our first New York Yankees area code team in 2007, along with future big leaguers, Brett Lowry, Anthony DiScofani, Chris Dyer, uh, Dwyer, uh, Corey Mazzoni, Scott McGuff, Sean Nolan, all future MLB players. Ryan Westmoreland was on that team. Um, yep. Phil Pohl, who's now a major league bullpen catcher. Um, and he said, Joe Panic, I told Joe you could play for me any day. And <laughs> one of the things that he said stood out the most for you is you went out to Long Beach and all of the big dogs, the West Coast schools, the Southern schools, the Texas schools, were all trying to offer you big if you'd be willing to decommit to from St. John's. But you honored the commitment. Yeah. And he, he talked about, so long story short, yes, Joe is one of my all-time favorites, and he sent me, a, he sent me a, a picture of you looking like you were about 12 years old. Um, yep. And so talk about that. So obviously that's, that speaks a lot to your character and, and how important loyalty is, but what was the allure of St. John's? What was it that got you to stay close to home when every other kid from New York, New Jersey, Massachusetts, Connecticut wants to go down south to the green grass and the, and the pretty girls yeah. of the SEC and ACC? <laughs> oh, man, there, there's a lot of factors that kind of went into it. Um, so coming out of high school, you know, I kind of see, you know, players prior to me, like guys older than me, some guys, you know, would go down south and kind of uh, kind of get lost in the shuffle. Um, so one of the things that I really looked for when I was looking at schools was not a promise to play right away because you never, you know, if somebody promises you playing time right away, you know, I don't, I wouldn't believe it just because um, you have to for anything you do you have to earn your way in life you know whether it's on the fields you know work school whatever it is you have to earn your way so for me i, I looked at kind of the way the coach would recruit um like how let's say is the guy going to bring in five infielders okay um are you going to be registering the first year whatnot like how does he kind of handle um incoming players um so for me i wanted to um st john's they didn't over recruit quote unquote and I kind of saw on their roster who is a senior, who is juniors. And for me, you know, talking with Ed Blankmeyer, he was like, listen, I'm not going to promise you anything, but you know what, you're going to have the opportunity to start right away. You know, and that's all I really asked for was an opportunity to be able to play right away. Because um, mm -hmm. I knew coming out of high school, if I was to play right away, I would be able to basically have three years of growth, three years of, you know, playing games, playing, you know, kind of getting myself out there in front of the scouts. Those at bats um, you didn't get in high school against, you know, elite arms. It, exactly. And, um, so for me, granted, I, you know, went into St. John's and I, in the fall time practices, I went out there and I pr kind of proved myself. Um, you know, I had a good fall and, you know, I was, I, I was, you know, given the chance to start, you know, from day one and I just kind of took off with it. I didn't, um, you know, I didn't kind of look back. So for me, I wanted a chance, you know, an opportunity to play right away. And St. John's gave me that. Um, that, that was probably the biggest thing for me, um, kind of when looking at schools. Um, the second thing was 
I, I was, you know, I, I wanted a chance to win. Uh, there were some schools when I, early in the process when I was, you know, talking to schools and whatnot. I wanted to, um, you know, some schools weren't as successful, and, and I wanted to, you know, have a chance to win. I'm not going to throw any other schools under the bus or whatnot, but uh, it was I wanted to I wanted to win and make it to the NCAA tournament. And again, St. John's being a Northeast school, they were you know you know them UConn, they were you know you know Louisville at the time, you know the best schools in the Big East. So every year we had a chance to make the NCAA tournament, which we ended up doing twice in my three years. Um, so that yeah, was a big so, part of it. So yeah. and and so I actually I. You know, this is the follow-up to that one. So I, I asked Matt, I was like, why do you think that, that Joe was not a draft pick out of high school? So I want to get your initial gut response to this. He said, he was undersized and his tools weren't huge. Not a great runner, yep. just enough arm, not big power, and the scouts weren't 100% sold on shortstop as a future position. He was really going to have to hit, and as much as I and the other guys loved him, it was an awful lot to ask of a high school kid from Hopewell, New York, to come in and have the hit tool <laughs> carry him. He, he went to St. John's, and even when the Giants took him in the industry wasn't sold he was a first round pick once it began because once again because of the tools but i've always said this about joe panic he has two above average tools that got overlooked he could hit in all caps and he made all the routine plays that made him a plus defender you you were out when he was the ball was hit to joe panic especially with two outs um so something to be said about doing the simple thing savagely well putting the bat on the ball always making the plays. so is is there a lot of pride that went into that millions of ground balls and all that that people never really heard about yeah i think um you know i mean every sport now you you, um you know you you look for the kind of the flashy you know you want you want the you know football and now it's the combine and whatnot you're seeing all that stuff going on you know the guy that runs the four three four four sometimes you know what the guys that are most successful are the guys that can just play play ball. That um, you know that does the little things right. That are smart. That know you know where to be in the right spot at the right time. Um, so for me, you know, kind of again being from the Northeast, I was 17 years old coming out of high school, so I was younger. I wasn't fully you know developed. Uh, you know, size wise, I was probably what six foot 170 coming out of high school. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I knew back then that I had, you know, I mean, I didn't have the strength and conditioning kind of knowledge back then. I honestly, I did not. And I kind of wish I did. I don't know how far that would have helped me and taken me. Um, but, you know, I put all my time and effort, again, being in the Northeast, mm-hmm. you know, sw- swing it, you know, T work, you know, front toss, getting my mechanics down. So when I get outside, you know, I'm, you know, I'm ready to go. I'm, you know, my swing's as good as it can be, yeah. you know, and then it's the ground balls. It's my dad used to, um, you know, when ever since we were young and he would take us to the park with my mother, me and my brother, he would be like, you know, we're going to work on defense first and then, then we'll hit after it was always, it was almost, um, almost, um, I don't know how to say this. It was almost like work first, play later. Cause yeah. everybody wants to hit, everybody wants to hit, That's a good point. but you know, it's, you know, let's you know work on both sides of the ball, and um, and I take and I took pride in you know what, be, making the most out of what I have. You know, I know I knew I wasn't the most gifted athlete, especially going like area code games, and I'm going up against kids that are you know hitting balls, you know, f- over the fence, flying. On the you know, Texas flying Rangers up. roster, there's not a guy it, under six five, two fifty. <laughs> exactly, and, yeah. and it's like you know what? Well, how am I gonna? 
compete against these people? How am I going to beat these people? How am I going to, you know, show myself better than these people? And it's like, all right, I'm not going to go out there and try to be something I'm not. I have to be the best version of myself. And um, for me, that was, you know, going out there and playing the game the right way, you know, doing whatever it takes to win. And, um, you know, and again, I think going to St. John's, the coach there, Blankmeyer, you know, he really, you know, helped me in that aspect too, because he's an old school guy, you know, and really taught me the game even more and really helped me kind of jumpstart my career kind of that way. That's a great point. And it actually feeds. So, and I think the other question is like with, with that text from Matt, like I have to assume you were, you were cognizant of that, right. As the the draft discussions are taking place and you're playing in front of GM scouting directors at area codes is that some of those, those feedbacks, those are motivating factors. Does that drive you a lot at that age? Exactly. I mean, nobody wants to be told, listen, you're not, you're not good enough. Um, or you're not, you know, physical enough whatnot, you know, cause you know, everybody's dream you're there cause you want to play professional baseball. And, um, I kind of saw that and it's like, all right, well, I kind of knew where I stood kind of going into my senior year of high school. Um, and granted there was still some scouts that came to watch me play, but it was like you, like as an athlete, you kind of know, yeah. you know, what, what, what's going down and, and you know, the reason why, and again, I knew the reason why I wasn't going to be, you know, drafted. It's, you know, I just wasn't, you know, physically mature enough. Um, just I, I wasn't strong enough. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't ready to play the pro game, which looking back, I'm very thankful for that. I didn't, I didn't even have to make that choice between pro and college um, because I think college for me was the best thing that could happen for me, you know, growing as a ball player, as a person, as a man. So, um, yeah, you're definitely, you know, you definitely know based off like area code games and that feedback. It's like, all right, well, yeah, you kind of know where you kind of stand. Well, it worked. I mean, I like the numbers and you're, you're probably acutely aware, but a 398 batting average with 10 home runs, 57 RBIs during your junior season. And you put up a 509 on base percentage. So obviously yeah. it worked and you know, there's a good lesson there for a lot of those kids that think that they, they have to race South, they have to go to a huge school, um, or even kids that, you know, are, are dead set on the division one dream. They, you know, there's, there's lots of development that happens at division two schools, yep. junior college schools, all that. So, um, I think yep. that's an important message and where you were interesting too, is right. So you, you went directly, uh, or you went to the big leagues in 2014 and played in the world yep. series that year. So, um, you had a huge home run against the Cardinals and the NLCS. And then there was obviously like a, a really memorable web gem on the double play in game seven of the world series versus the Royals. So the, I'm going to, I'm going to shift gears on that a little bit. And I, I remember Matt Duffy wrote a really good guest blog for the players tribune, um, where he talked about like the amazing culture that the giants had there where, yep. you know, when guys came up as really young players, it, there, it wasn't just like rookie hazing. It was, let's embrace these guys. Let's put them in a really good position for these young players to thrive. What advice would you give to a lot of the coaches on this podcast? Um, and, and more established players even that are looking to, help up and coming guys hit the ground running, whether it's freshmen in college, you know, pro organizations, or even just like high school teams trying to find, you know, senior mentorship for, for up and coming players. Yeah. I think the biggest thing for me is, you know, if however many guys that you have on your team, whether it's 25, you know, you expect, you want, if you're on that team, you're expected to help this, this um, team win. And I think that was the biggest thing for the giants was, the older guys, I was, it was basically told to me like, Hey, you're here for a reason. Like we need you to be that one, 
you know, basically a link in the chain, a link, you know, we need 25 links. And they really felt, you know, believed in that um, you have to be 25 links in a chain. And for me, you know, they got, yeah, you're going to have, you know, they're going to have, they're, they're fun with you. They're not going to, you know, they're going to tease you a little bit about being a young guy or whatnot, but you, they never made me feel uncomfortable. They wanted me again to, you know, be comfortable in my own skin, be comfortable with who I am and be when I go out there that I don't feel inferior to, to anybody that, you know what, I'm out there. I'm one of the guys, I'm one of them. Um, and to this day, I still with young guys, I'm still that way. I'm way, I'm that way to them because I want them to feel like, Hey, you know, you're one of us, you know, we need you to, we need everything you got. So we don't want you going out there and, you know, feeling like you're, you know, feeling like you're the young guy. No, you are whoever you are and be that way. Um, play that way, play confident, you know, kind of basically be who you've always been. Mm -hmm. So, and you know, I think that actually is like a really good uh, segue into the next question is, um, and I don't even know if you, you know this number, but it, it feeds into some of the stuff you talked about at your younger age. So last year you struck out in 7.7 .7 of your at-bats. That's the lowest rate in the National League by more than 2%. You know, meanwhile, all of baseball is striking out or hitting home runs. They're going in the exact opposite direction. Mm -hmm. um, you know, how, how do you reconcile those two things? Obviously, everybody you know, is speaking from a financial standpoint. You get paid for homers and you know, trying to just hit, hit over the ship and all that. And meanwhile, you're you know, just like you did in high school, just like you did in college. You're putting yeah. the bat on the ball and giving your chance to success. So how, how do you reconcile those two things in a game that's changing, you know, sticking true yeah. to what you, you really do well? Yeah, that, that's kind of the tricky point. Um, you, know, you kind of brought up right there. It's because you know as a you know as a ball player you see the guys you know who get paid and you know you see you know what teams are looking for but at the same time i kind of know my skill set and i know also to the park that i play in i you know playing at oracle park that sounds weird to say it's, it used to be at&t park now i didn't realize park. they had changed the name holy cow yeah. i'm like do you get traded yeah. and not tell me <laughs> yeah no. <laughs> i know i'm like i'm so used to saying at&t park mm -hmm. now it's oracle but it's 421 to right center so <laughs> for me you know yeah so you know kind of again being being smart and kind of understanding your strengths and um whatnot you have to kind of play to them so for me it's yeah, I know, you know, if I was to hit 20 homers, that would be, you know, that would be great. But what do I sacrifice to get that? Am I going to be a two, 200 hitter with 20 home runs? Then I'm at, then I'm not playing, then I'm not playing yeah. in the majors. So you, again, I always talk to stick to who you are, stick to your strengths. You know, you obviously have to build your, you know, build your weaknesses, mm -hmm. but, but as a, as an individual, if you're a gap-to-gap -gap line drive hitter, stay true to that. Sometimes, even myself, like I get caught up in it too. I, you know, I got caught up in it a little bit and trying to do too much as a hitter. That's when you get yourself out. That's when you. That's when you get yourself into a funk. Yeah. So um, I think it's mentality. Again, if I'm six three, two thirty, you know, you know, corner infielder, yeah, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna, you know, take my shots and, you know. You know, be a little more of an all or nothing guy, maybe. Mm -hmm. But when you're, you know, six foot six one, one ninety five, you know, playing playing at, you know, at, at the Giants ballpark, you know, be be smart and, and, you know, take your shots when you can. But again, my job is 
twin ball games. And so I know my skill set is, you know, hit and run, hitting behind runners, putting the ball in play, moving runners around. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, that's what I've always done best. And I think, especially when I was younger, you know, I think that's really what helped me kind of stay up here and kind of solidify me as, you know, as who I am is my skill set. And I'm never going to get rid of that. Yeah. I can try to add, you know, add some power here and there, but I'm never going to get away from who I am. Yeah. Well, and that's an interesting, maybe parallel or maybe a segue into this next question is, you know, so, uh, you know, we talked with, um, with Richard Blyer, um, on, on a podcast that'll, that'll air soon. And, you know, Richard's like, a he's not a crazy arm speed guy. And it's, you know, you look at baseball right now, bullpens are going to, you know, everybody throws 96 to a hundred and he's a guy who's, you know, 87 to 90 with a really good cutter. And so it becomes really, really challenging to find guys that you can emulate. Um, so, you know, as, as a high contact percentage guy, I mean, do you look at a Joey Votto or, or who are the hitters that you really like to watch and, and, and why? Um, yeah, I've, okay. So there's a few guys, um, Somebody like for me, I don't even look at, you know, like the high contact guys for me. I kind of look at um, just I look at um, Daniel Murphy. He's one one of the big guys that I've always kind of looked at um, just from his, you know, kind of his um, swing, you know, kind of standpoint. Just kind of see how he how he took off from the Mets to Washington and kind of seeing what he did and one of our assistant um, hitting coaches, Rick Shu, he's he used to uh, coach Murph in Washington. So kind of talking with him and whatnot, but I'm, again, I'm always looking to see um, certain players. I mean, honestly, another guy, he's not, he's a righty and I'm a lefty hitter, but I'm, I'm watching video of Buster Posey. Just, I mean, this guy, this, I'll watch guys that have really clean swings and, um, just guys that are consistent, consistently, you know, um, high, not just, you know, home runs, but, you know, high average guys, um, cause I want to see their swing pass, see, but they're trying to, you know, how they're, um, load to, you know, head movement. There's certain things that I'm kind of, you know, swing pass, seeing how they're getting in and out of the zone type deal. So I would say those two guys, you know, once, you know, each side of the plate, just kind of looking for some type of similarities. Absolutely. So this is, you know, by your own admission, it's been your best spring to date, right? So you're, you're hitting 469, you're on base, you know, half the time. Um, Obviously we did some, some different stuff on the physical conditioning side of things this this off season. And you also got the thumb repaired last year during the season um, after that injury. But I know you mentioned you've also made some changes to your swing. Um, You said you were working with your brother a lot, right? Yeah. So what's, what's been in the works, what's changed and and what was kind of the the impetus for doing that? Um, You know what? I think, you know, for me, just at the end of the year, um, so after I tore my thumb and, um, and then I had a little groin issue, you know, the last month and a half of the year, I really didn't feel like I had my legs kind of underneath me and I was kind of searching for power. And whenever, when you, whenever you start searching for power, that's when you get kind of off mechanically. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I was, I just got into a little funk and, um, talking with our hitting coaches, I basically told them that I wanted to. Just, just try. I want to try like a little in my load, kind of like a little leg kick slash like hover. Everybody knee tucks. Every, somebody, everybody has a different term for it. But I want to instead of doing a toe tap like I've always done, I want to get a little more, um, a little more of a of a load, kind of going back, and just to kind of see kind of where that would take me, kind of get me in a better position, 
you know, from the moment I get my foot down. Um, so they're like, Hey, listen, go for it. You know, send us videos and whatnot, and we'll kind of work through it. And, um, so my brother, he's a, you know, head coach at Iona college right now. Um, you know, in uh, New York. So I got a chance to work with him and even my father, you know, he's, you know, he's still to this day, one of you know, my best hitting coaches because he's seen me swing throughout my entire life. Um, so I didn't want to go through a full swing change. Like a lot of guys do, like, I don't want to change my hands. Cause I want to, again, stick. I want to be, I want to be who I am, mm-hmm. but I want to get myself in the best position to allow my hands to work. And, um, just working, working through this winter, you know, with this little leg kick that I've been kind of doing, I've been able to, again, get my foot down on time and get my weight shifted and weight, um, my hips firing, get everything firing at the right time, which in turn has really allowed my hands and my bat path to be really consistent this spring. I think it's a good lesson for like a lot of the you know, the more advanced players who maybe are listening to this is that I think so often you, you get, you know, the sensationalized stories of a, you know, Chris Taylor or Justin Turner or JD Martinez guys who have made really dramatic changes to their swing and obviously had huge upside because of it. But you know, you don't know, it doesn't always make like great, you know, internet reading or clickbait material when, you know, someone just has a subtle tinker. And I, you know, I think you're a good example, right? You're a guy who never had like that. You never had that debilitating injury aside from the thumb. It was always more like the the little irritations where you kind of have to listen when it whispers instead of waiting for it to yell. So, um, you know, it's it's you realize that you're playing at ninety percent a lot, and you know, a little little refocus on the swing can make a big big difference. So, I think that's yeah. a lesson for a lot of people: is tinker, don't overhaul. Yeah, I think um, again, again, because like like you said, yeah, there might be a lot a big reward. Like again, in some cases, JD Martinez and you know Turner and Taylor, those those guys. But again, I've had success at the major league level, yeah. and I I know it's I know it's in there. It's just a matter of okay, how can I get a little bit better? And I know and I knew going into the off season that you know what if and even this spring, like I was going to give this kind of tinker a shot. But I'm like, if I'm not comfortable with it, it wasn't such a dramatic change where if I'm not comfortable with it, I could always go revert back to what I've been doing. Yeah. So I knew that, that was something I wanted to do. I was like, all right, do, you know, small changes. Cause you can always kind of, it gives you a little more wiggle, wiggle room, a little more play. Whereas if you're doing, if you're going from, you know, once one thing and then completely changing it, you're, you know, you're basically all in. Yeah, absolutely. The guys around the facility give me a hard time. They call it a Cressyism, but the line I always drop is "small hinges swing big doors." So yep. I think that gets overlooked a lot. Um, all right, so uh, we're gonna go lightning round now. Um, all right. So, what advice would you give to a teenage Joe Panic if you could go back in time? Oh, I would say enjoy the ride. Enjoy the ride a little bit more because I think a teenage Joe Panic, you know, he was very serious and you have to be serious, but, um, you know, I was so caught up in, you know, kind of going, you know, kind of the next step, getting to the next level, next level, instead of just, you know, enjoying, enjoying the moment. And I'm kind of looking back. That's, you know, enjoy the moment. That's what I'd say to a young me. Absolutely. What about college Joe panic? Is the, does the advice change? Um, College Joe Panic. No, I, I would I would kind of get I would give him the same same thing. Um, 
But yeah, I, I say give him the, kind of give him the same message. Um, you know, again, just enjoy, enjoy, enjoy the moment. Don't, tr- don't focus on things that you cannot control. That's, I would probably advance a little bit. Don't focus on things you can't control. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think one of your, one of your claims to fame is that, right. You have a, you have a lot of feel for the speed of the game, you know, for a yeah. guy who makes all the routine plays consistently, you know, puts the barrel on the ball is, you know, what are some strategies that you give to that kid where the game does speed up on him? Like what, what are you, what do you yeah. do to make sure that you're, you're reined in and whether it's game seven, of the world series or the first game of spring training that you're, you're even keeled. Yeah. I think uh, it's always, uh, I, I wish I remember the quote. It's, Somebody said that, you know, in times of stress, um, you basically revert back to your training. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know the exact quote, but for me, it's, it's all about preparation. And um, the, the more ground, like the more you prepare yourself, not only, um, you know, not only physically, but whether you're out, um, whether you're in the box, you know, in the box hitting or whatever, you do your mental preparation on the pitcher or as a fielder, you, you know, your hitter. Mm-hmm. You're going to be in the right spot. You're going to, you know, you're going to trust in your abilities. If you're not prepared, you're not thinking. You're, you're, that's when the game speed up, speeds up on you. So always, always think. Always pay, just pay attention. That that's the biggest thing I would tell mm-hmm. you know, a, even a young Joe. Just pay attention to the little things. Pay attention to the pitcher hitters because that's when um, you get in these big spots, and then your mind's going a thousand miles per hour. In reality, it's like, all right, well, you know, this is the situation. You just kind of break everything down. And the biggest thing I was told is breathe. Yeah. Just breathe, breathe, focus on your breathing, and then kind of slow your heart right down that way. Absolutely. Uh, favorite teammate of all time and why? Oh, favorite teammate. Oof. Let's see. That's a tough one here because some current ones might not be happy if I – Oh, favorite teammate. I'd say Andrew Susak. He's um no he's now in the Orioles organization, but this is a kid, um, you know, he came up with me in 2014 and you know, just funny kid, just hilarious. Um you know, he was actually in my wedding, just um kind of came up in the minor leagues with him. Just you always have those guys that um can make you laugh kind of whatnot. Um, no, he was that kid. All right. Um, so we talked about hitters that you look at guys that you, you admire yeah. in that front. What about defensive players? Um, I mean, will you watch footage of, of other infielders to see how they play guys and, um, patterns that they actually put into practice? Um, I see, I, I'm, I'm very fortunate. I get a front row seat every day. Um, a guy I always watch and pay attention to is our shortstop, Brandon Crawford. Um, yeah. So again, he, he's somebody that, again, I get to, from you know footwork standpoint, I get to work with him every day, mm-hmm. and I think he's been a big influence on me as a defender. Also, just kind of watching him and um, being able to talk with him, and mm-hmm. there's so much that you can you know pick up from a guy like him. His smoothness and his feel, his feel for the game, and just knack for being in the right spots. Um, whatnot. So, you know, he's definitely, again, I, like I said, I'm very fortunate to have a front row seat, you know, for five years now of watching him. Absolutely. All right. So as we kind of, uh, start to round this out, we're about a half an hour in. So 
you know, we obviously got a lot of middle school, high school, college players, minor league guys, and, and honestly, probably some big league ones, but also a lot of coaches, um, you know, sports mm-hmm. staff, athletic trainers, transition coaches, things like that. Um, what, if you could kind of, uh, you know, speak to, you know, you, you've obviously been in one organization for a considerable amount of time, so maybe haven't experienced different levels of pro ball in that regard. But what are the things that you see from the coaches that are out there? Um, what are the ones that have, have been the most impactful for you, whether it's in high school, college, you name it? Um, what are the characteristics that, you know, that they demonstrate that have helped you the most? And, and what are the things that you've experienced that maybe have been roadblocks to your development along the way? Um, I think for me, the most successful coaches – and the coaches I think have worked best with players, you know, my, you know, going back college minors and, um, you know, majors are the coaches are that this might sound weird. They listen. It's, uh, they, they listen to the player that it's a communication. It's not just a one way street. I think, um, obviously coaches, even players, they have, they're very strong in their beliefs, but I think the best um, quality is somebody that can you know com- just communicate with the player and the player communicates back. It has to be a two-way street where if we're, if something's going, let's say something's going wrong mechanically mm-hmm. or, or the coach thinks there's something going on mechanically, you know, the player has to be able to basically, I'm not, I'm not saying talk back like in a, like a snapback type of way, but it's a, it's a conversation. It's a, Hey, what are you feeling? Yes. It's not a, Hey, this is it. This is, this is the way, um, you know, there's, there's, there's multiple ways to do every job, whether it's, you know, there's no, no, no cookie cutting basically. Yep. So some players, you know, you know, hitters, you'll, you'll see it in the minor leagues a lot, you know, still not, I'm not talking about the giants. I'm talking about, you know, other people I've known in other organizations, like certain coaches will change, change players against basically against their will like and then they're you know and then the players out of the game because you know they didn't they didn't have the conviction in the change they didn't feel comfortable to change and um it's so for me it's important to you know have that line of communication it's and see how the guys are you know how are you feeling do you feel what i'm trying to tell you it's not just you're doing this wrong you're doing that wrong okay that's good well no, you know, explain, explain to people, talk to the players and get, and again, that's, I think I just brought up another point. You know, if, if as a coach, if you, you know, mechanically or something, you see something, explain it to the kid. Don't just say you're doing it wrong. Explain mm-hmm. everything. Cause the more a player understands what the more a player understands what you're trying to say. And, um, the more that, that they will believe in it, the more that they believe in it, the less that they're going to think about it, they're just going to kind of go and run with it. And the more conviction conviction that they'll have in the change. Absolutely. What about parting wisdom for like the up and coming players who want to be the next Joe panic, whether it's a, a kid from New York or a kid from Texas or Florida or California. I think, you know, the biggest thing that I've always had is, you know, believe in yourself. It's that's something always believe in your abilities and stay true to who you are. I mean, again, I've, I kind of, um, you know, trust the process, so to speak. I, um, you know, I believe in myself again, going back to when it's, Hey, you're not, you know, big enough, strong enough, you know, fast enough to play. You know, I still believed in who I was and I kept working. There's no substitute for hard work. It's, um, you know, you know, instead of going out there and, you know, partying all, all day in high school, 
you know, I was out there, you know, I was working, I was, I was working on my craft. That's, that's something I um, want, you know, it's something I wanted to do, you know, was play baseball. So I gave a hundred percent effort into that. And um, I never stopped believing in myself along the way. And, um, and I think that kind of chip my shoulder, you know, kind of proving people wrong type attitude. I think that's kind of what led me to, you know, where I am today. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a lot, it's very easy to say that. And, and a lot of kids do say that, but it's very hard to, to back it up with the hard work over an extended period of time. And you obviously have done that. So it's been, been cool to see this and, and actually learn a little bit more over the last little bit. Um, obviously you were a, a big hit with uh, the crew at our facility. So I'm, I'm glad that, you know, a lot of the people out here got a chance to hear some of your, uh, your experiences and also tap into your expertise a little bit. Um, Thanks, sir. I really appreciate you coming on. If folks want to find out more about you, it's, it's uh, at Joe Panic on both Instagram and Twitter, right? Yep. You just came out of Instagram hibernation. I saw it was your first yeah. post in a while. So <laughs> yeah. very well played. You're some brownie points with your wife for that one. It, um, exactly. Awesome. But uh, we really appreciate you having on uh, some time or setting aside some time to hop on the, the call with us and, and really wish you well this season. All right. Thanks, Eric. I appreciate it. You got it. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the CSP Elite Baseball Development Podcast. Subscribe to continue listening to our show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or YouTube. If you like what you heard, we'd encourage you to leave a review of our show on iTunes or email us your feedback at EliteBaseballPodcast at gmail.com. We appreciate you taking the time to listen to our show, and we'll see you next time.